This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Spectacle Drifter, Will Duckins on 1080 The Fan. All right, happy Saturday, everybody. It is day three of the NCAA tournament. Will Darkins is space camp? I don't know. Something? It's day five, though. For those of you actually, oh counting. shut up! <laughs> God, we invite swag into to. We didn't even invite you. You just ended up here doing the board up. I didn't say a word during your golf show, and then you ruin our show from the very beginning. It's what I do. Thank you. I, I thought I was that. done with swag for the year. By the way, <laughs> uh, sitting in for Will Darkens today, uh, a good friend of mine and former T-ball teammate, Jason Bro, associate athletic director at University of Portland, and great friend of Jason Swigard. So these two are best friends now. You guys are road trip buddies, right? Many meals on the road together, many times breaking down what went right and what went wrong for the mighty Portland Pilots on the road. And then, uh, you know, finally I'm like, okay, nine-month break from the swag. And then all of a sudden I get called back in here on the weekend. I couldn't even get away for more than 10 days. Well, the funny part of it was I, I you know, I said, hey, we need a board up. Uh, I'm going to have Jason Bro come in. And Swag's like, no, you don't need a board up. I got it. He was so excited <laughs> to see you. So that's kind of how He's we having withdrawals. Uh, yeah. So I've got two college basketball experts with me. So I think think we can pretty much guess that you both picked umbc oh yeah i don't even know if i have those letters in the right order like you look at that on a sheet I, there's nothing better when then you you have no idea who the university is and you just go oh they won't win anyways doesn't matter and now everybody knows it's university of maryland baltimore county it's amazing. Like the tournament, it's the greatest thing in the world. I was talking to Swag before, and you know, I think we probably watch as much college basketball and are as ingrained in the mid-major kind of under the radar type of of games. And if you looked at my bracket, you would have thought I picked blindly because I don't know anything. <laughs> it's just like you can't predict some of this stuff. The coolest thing about UNBC, I was just reading about their Twitter feed, and I can follow it. And Swag knows I'm sitting there, and I do t Twitter in-game updates. So they had less than five thousand uh, followers on their their entire athletic department twitter feed before the game sure after the game and they got snarky and they did it they played it perfectly <laughs> throughout like seth davis did his sharpie at tip off you know and they kind of mocked him and they mocked it by the by the mid second half they had forty three thousand followers how many did they have this morning I, I didn't look this morning but i just saw like they're they're still going with it and you know what's funny because like you say umbc nobody 
new UMBC. No. Well, this puts them on the map. No matter what they do, the, the value that their university, not just athletic department, the value that their university, people still talk about Valparaiso because of Bryce Drew's shot. You know, Gonzaga, you know, just erupted. It, it, it's amazing what NCAA March Madness can do, not just for a sports program, but for a university when stuff like this happens. Well, sure. And the the guy, the coach for UMBC, uh, Ryan Owens, is that right? His Odom. 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 Yeah. And his dad, Dave Odom, yeah. is a you know great coach throughout college history. I heard a comment that uh, Dave Odom is now Ryan Odom's dad for everything <laughs> that he did in coaching. It just it it flips the script and does it. And the first time we've ever seen it, and we were having the conversation about it. Like, y- you imagine the 16 seed beating the one seed, and the way that happens is a guy just chucks up a shot from three quarters court in total desperation in a, in a last second attempt. That wasn't what happened they, at all. They don't extend their double-digit lead early in the first, early in the second half into the score, end of the game. They don't score 53 points against the best defensive team in college basketball. I mean, that's the the crazy thing is is you look at this by the numbers. I think there was five teams against Virginia this year that didn't score 53 points in the game, and that includes North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Duke and North Carolina two or three times, depending on regular season, postseason. They're playing in the most high-pressure conference, the most recognized basketball conference. They, they Two losses all year, yet a team that lost by 44 to a, a conference foe midseason drops 53 on them in the second half and runs away. Well, and the way UMBC got into the tournament, uh, the star of last night uh, needed to make a three-pointer at the buzzer to, to beat win, Vermont. To, yeah. to beat Vermont, to get win the conference tournament, get the automatic bid. There's no way they would have been in. And this, this is now, by the numbers, if you go on Vegas numbers, this is the second biggest upset in the history of the tournament. So it was a 20 and a half uh, point spread on the game. So it's not even the biggest upset, but it's a 116, so it is the biggest upset. Yeah, just crazy. I mean, it, it's awesome. It's what makes March Madness so special. And it's just, it, it, you, you couldn't see it. I mean, actually, I could see it because we talked about it before. And I'm sure. like, you know, if if UMBC hits like three frees right off the bat, Virginia's not wired to come back. And, you know, you're talking about that. And you could just see it. You could just see, you forget these are 18 to 22-year-olds that, we, we talk about all the factors that go into that game. All of a sudden, a neutral site crowd gets behind the other team. All of a sudden, you're tight. You're not supposed to lose. To, I mean, it's just crazy how that just snowballed into a blowout. It yeah. wasn't even close. It was a blowout. When Virginia got out of their offense and they got out of their defense, because you press to make every play when you're down 10 and you're not supposed to lose, all the pressure's on Virginia at that point. And everybody knows that they lost their sixth man of the year, so they're down a guy. So you can't really use that as an excuse, but internally they're going, all right, I need to make the big play that's going to score 10 points. Well, sorry, kids, in basketball, you can't score 10 points in one play. So then every time you press a little bit more and a little bit more, and next thing you know, I mean, Tony Bennett's talking about it. He's like, we played awful in that game, and we couldn't do anything right. And if you look back at the evaluation, you wouldn't recognize the Virginia team that showed up in the second yeah. half because they didn't play. There's there's stifling defense that they play all year. They weren't even in the right position on defensive plays because they're overcompensating, trying to make a steal on every play, trying to make a block on every play, not using their length. It it was it was funny because the the Syracuse game last night too was the the last chance for a play-in team to win. And every year since they've started the the first four, one of those teams has won the game. And you look at, you know, TCU, and you've got Jamie Dixon, who was the coach at Pitt forever. Great offensive team. Yeah, well, but he's also one of the few guys that's had Syracuse's number. But Syracuse is kind of the 
opposite of Virginia, where they always kind of limp into the tournament in these off years, and they always feel like, you know, well, they don't really belong here. This is another year like this. Hell, they had a Final Four run where they did the same thing, but they're not supposed to be in. And then for some reason, their defense is just super confusing to everybody. They play this zone defense that nobody can figure out that hasn't played against them, and they end up making these runs. So it, by swag's math, they've already won two tournament games this year. <laughs> and and you have Virginia, who's a team that has these great regular seasons, best defense in all of college basketball. They get into the tournament. It's pretty simple to figure it out. And the, and the hard thing is, just as someone who works in college athletics, I so appreciate what Tony Bennett's been able to do. And we saw it here in the Northwest with what he did with Washington mm-hmm. State. And he did he's done everything that you hope he would do, both at Washington State and Virginia. When he took over Virginia, if you said they'd be winning as much as they are in the ACC and he'd be leading them to regular season championships and everything, everyone would take it. Unfortunately, what everyone's going to remember right now until they have a breakthrough like Gonzaga did last year is, well, Virginia's a team that flames out early. And it's just tough because as we talk about there's so many variables that go into this tournament unlike any other postseason in any sport like stuff happens uh you know i don't think there's any question if you ran this back you know and you, you did every tournament in a five best of five Virginia's probably going to make it you know just because of their consistency but consistency can be overridden by one game one event one run one everything and Virginia's just really susceptible to that but if I'm Virginia, I do nothing different yeah, <laughs> from over yeah. the last five years. And I feel very good about the future of my program in Tony Bennett's hands. It's just this is going to be the thing that everyone talks about until they have a major breakthrough. Well, yeah, and, and they didn't just win the ACC. They won the ACC tournament, yeah. too. So they, yeah. they go through and do all that. And, and now this has become the biggest story of it. But this isn't the only story in this, you know, first round of the college basketball tournament. What are the other teams that really kind of shocked you in the first one? Buffalo is the first one I think of. Yeah, Buffalo is the first one. And, and I just love, we, we've been talking all day about Johnny Oates or they, their head coach about afterwards. Uh, Nate Oates. Nate Oates, yeah. there, about afterwards. And just the nonchalance of, yeah, you know, we have we felt our guards were better. We thought we could dominate and you can neutralize a big guy. I love the demeanor that he has. You're a little I don't too excited. Any- you have to remember how monotone <laughs> this dude was. If you haven't seen it, go on Twitter and find the post game. Yeah, you know, uh, in this tournament, we feel like you can have a great uh, a way. There's a great way to neutralize bigs, and if you have better guards, you're gonna win. And it's like, dude, you just you yeah. knocked off a four seed. And he shrugged had, four times in the post game interview. Like, just, yeah, you know, it's yeah, Arizona, you know, whatever. We had better what we guards did. than them. You know, you can neutralize the, the number one pick in the NBA draft likely next year. And, and the thing thing about this is, so the two biggest upsets, neither of them butter, buzzer beaters. That's what's so bizarre about this year's tournament so far. And you just wonder. All right, you have a performance like that where you not only beat a one seed, you beat them by 20. Are you giving any chance to a team like UMBC to do anything else after this game? They don't have to. They're already cemented in history forever. But do you expect them to continue this? The, based on the statistics, and if you're a Ken Palm guy, and if you're anybody who looks at anything, no, they shouldn't. <laughs> but it's a tournament, you know. You know, I mean, they're yeah. they're the 177th best team in America for a reason. But it, you only need to do it one game, as we saw. The thing that's crazy to me too, you look at the bracket. Both those teams we just talked about are in the same region in the same quadrant. Yeah, and, like, and then it, Kentucky's in there with them. Yeah. You talk about an easy path. You've gotten rid of Arizona. But again, Kentucky, all the credit to John Kelly Perry with what he does with young guys. They're going to be playing five freshmen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a crazy you look at UMBC, Kansas State, Kentucky, Buffalo. Someone's coming out of there. Yeah, we'll get back to the tournament more in the second hour. Obviously, there's a lot to chew on there. I do want to get into, I don't know if you've noticed, the Pac-12 didn't have a very good showing. 
We'll get to that in the second hour. We got to get to the Blazers. They're on an 11 game win streak, even though they keep playing teams that are decimated by injury. We'll see if that factors in. We've got some baseball talk, all kinds of things. Jason Bro in for Will Darkens. Uh, this is the Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back. So we're scoreboard watching uh, as much as we can in here. Uh, currently underway, the number one ranked UConn women Huskies, Lady Huskies, 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 against the St. Francis Red Flash in the third quarter, 109-39 uh, currently in that game. UConn saw Virginia go down, and I think Chino had a little extra pep in the first-round step there for the UConn women. Good gravy. You don't have to go anywhere. We'll keep all your updates flying. Yeah, they might make history of a, of a different fashion. Yeah, good gravy. Think they could score 200? Do they want to score 200? I think you've they already could got score 200. You've already got the think- end of their bench playing. Yeah, the, the yeah, end of the bench are probably top 50. <laughs> oh, sure. They're McDonald's All-Americans, too. Oh, They're I just know. freshmen. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. You can only call off the dogs so much. You know, there's there's only so you can only you have to play five people. You can't just go. All right, we'll just forfeit the rest of the game. Crazy. Should at least nobody's getting hurt. Good gravy. As I said, we'll get back to the uh, college basketball tournament. Five five three zero five is the text line if you want to interact with the show. If you have any Portland Pilot questions for the Jasons here, Swag or Bro, they'll uh, answer all of those for you. I know that's really going to light up the whole show. But I want to get into Blazers talk. Uh, the Blazers are the hottest team in the NBA. Uh, technically, the Raptors also have an 11-game win streak going on. But these Blazers have basically just taken on all comers. And uh, the one criticism is, is you know, you've had a lot of teams missing key pieces. But even with that, you would expect to have a misstep here or there. The Blazers question that I asked Will last week is what do these Blazers have to do to kind of flip the script from going, all right, you're the Blazers. What matchup are you looking for when you get into the playoffs? And how do you switch that to we don't want to play the Blazers in the playoffs? Have they done enough to get to that point yet? Or where are they at? I think teams are scared of the Blazers just because Lillard and McCollum, I mean, two guys who can score at that pace is crazy. And there's just enough. Nurkic gives you enough flashes where you can get excited about him. Um, But if you think that a fully healthy Houston or Golden State is scared of anybody, (laughs) I mean, unless the Blazers fall off, that's not going to be a first round matchup. But you have teams, you know, like San Antonio's on the outside looking in right now. But if they get in with a healthy Kawhi Leonard, they're actually the eighth seed right now. Oh, are they? Okay. Oh. That's a little bounce back for them. So you've got, uh, but you've got San Antonio, who's a, who's a team that's you know usually at the top of the West. Jimmy Butler comes back for the Timberwolves, or or the Oklahoma City Thunder have three All Stars on their team. Are are you confident in in all of those matchups if the teams are healthy? If I'm a Blazers fan, I'm not confident in any matchup, <laughs> and that's not to denigrate the Blazers at all. But you know, you look like you say you look at it the three through ten right now. I mean, Utah is right now the seven seed. They've won eight in a row, and you know how hard it is to win at Utah. New Orleans, Anthony Davis is MVP caliber playing phenomenal right now. That would be the matchup if it started today, Portland versus New Orleans, which would be a phenomenal matchup. I feel good if you're the Blazers in any of those. Um, The question for the Blazers is, can they keep getting the breaks they've been getting, which is phenomenal. I'm I'm convinced, and I said it on this air last week, that this team has a little magic. It's like, would you be upset if you had a Blazers championship because you played only teams missing their two or three biggest stars? 
No, I wouldn't be upset no, at all. No, why it, would you? It's just like, you know, the Blazers, you know, when a couple years ago when the Clippers got decimated during their series yeah. and the Blazers made it to the second round. Nobody remembers that the Clippers got decimated oh, during yes, that. Oh, yes, they do, I mean, but they nobody do, cares. But nobody cares, exactly. That. Like, you, you made it to the second round, they not they gave, they gave made it interesting against Golden State for part of that series, why? and that's it. Why did they do that? Because <laughs> Steph Curry had a bad ankle. Exactly. It, it, it's funny how people get so caught up in it, but, but looking at this Blazers team and the way that they're playing, you, you mentioned Nurkic having just enough so there's a little phenomenon that happens is when you only watch the local broadcast you only talk to people in portland about the blazers i think Nurkic, you could say has been disappointing this year not overwhelmingly so but the excitement the consistency of Nurk- is disappointing well sure yeah. but the Nurk fever that was happening last season was was overwhelming right you just yeah. it was this constant like oh wait till you have them for a full season these players are gonna be yeah. unstoppable and the first three quarters of the season was was yeah, a little lackluster very mediocre but the funny thing was, and I can't remember which game it was. The but national last, broadcast. But yeah, yeah, last, yeah, last week they played a ESPN game, yeah. and I watched. They played it. a couple in the last couple of weeks that I so, watched. Yeah. yeah, and so when you watch the national broadcast, the way that they talk about players like Nurkic yeah. and Ed Davis and and even Evan Turner, who was a you know college player of the year, they don't get the same criticism in that. So I just I, I'm always curious how other teams look at it because I know it's not the same way the national media does. But if you watch one of those national games, Jalen Rose is on there going, and that's why. Nurkic is such a force inside, and you have him going and making these big plays. And when you just watch the highlights of this Blazers, I think you have a little more from your other, what, eight, nine role players that that than people think when you're in Portland going, oh, we're not getting enough from anybody. Because there was even a, and Myers Leonard comes in and can contribute. You don't hear that locally. Yeah, no. I mean, I think the the thing that's interesting to me is like the evolution of Lillard, and he's always been phenomenal. But he he's he's a high volume guy. I think this year, what's been impressive to me is he's getting it. He's not needing as much volume, and he's involved. He's trusting Nurkic more. Yeah. Now, what what happens with that, and maybe why there's some a little local negative bias is, well, now Nurkic is becoming more of a feature. Nurkic is getting the ball. Nurkic is having to do more, and he's not consistent. Yeah. But but if you look back a few years ago, Dame wasn't consistent either. Dame took a lot of bad shots now he's making a lot of bad shots so it, it, i mean he's making everything right now yeah. but the thing was you know he had some inconsistency he's developed now where he's legit consistent across the board and even if he's not shooting well he's doing things that make you better he's improved in other every aspect of the game that's like the evolution of nurkic because the blazers aren't going to just somehow go get a guy in free agency so nurkic is a perfect example of what the blazers need to have that jump where you watch him and when he's good he is good um but it's just the consistency he's just he, he's hit or miss he's Sometimes he doesn't finish. It's frustrating when you see him night in and night out. Yep. But the high-end potential of him, oh, man, that, that's a great get for the Blazers when you think about what he added in versus, you know, Plumlee was a, a great Portland guy. But what you get out of Nurkic is yeah. something that can really take you to that next level if he can continue on that same trajectory that Lillard did where he just improved in every other aspect of the game and got more consistent. Well, the one thing Lillard never had, and maybe this is part of the reason for a lot of the inconsistency, is there's never – I mean, I know he played with LaMarcus Aldridge when he started his career, but for a big void, there hasn't been a star to play off of. C.J. McCollum, you've seen him develop in a little bit of the shadow of Damian Lillard, so he's never had to been the guy – night in and night out but you're you're seeing everybody improve and this is maybe the transition from star to superstar for Damian Lillard is when you can make all the guys around you better. When when you have Al Farouk Aminu making game-winning shots against Cleveland on a Thursday night in March, that's that, those are big games, and those are those are moments that matter. But he's trusting his guys, and it's kind of the all-boats-rise you know, mentality where he's now making his team 
much better. He is, but he's still doing it primarily through him. Sure. And the thing that's that that's interesting to me is when you watch and you look at team dynamics and everything, a lot of times you can see guys who are chuckers. You know what I yeah. mean? On Maybe on mid-level to bad NBA teams. And they're getting their shots up, and you kind of look at the bench or you look at their teammates, and what's the body language when when a guy's just chucking? Yeah. And Lillard, I'm not saying he's a chucker, but he's he gets his shot. He can be. <laughs> he can be. Yeah. But the thing that is really intriguing to me, and it's because he's making so much, like his teammates are excited when he gets going yeah. you know th- th- there's rarely when you don't see a lot of guys taking pull up three pointers early in the shot clock from eight feet behind the three-point line and think that's a good shot or i'm okay with that uh, especially in the nba and there was a harkless had a, i think some stuff early on where he didn't feel like he was involved much but you watch that bench is up and excited every time he casts it make or miss you know he's kind of built up the equity to be that guy and they all look to him and he's built up enough around him in terms of the equity of what he's been able to do to make everybody better that they bought into letting him do that. Well, and they're, winning, they're riding him. And that's just winning, too. Yeah. I mean, you start winning every game, and those bad shots, like you said, don't feel as bad. You're not taking as much of a risk with that. And knowing how to win in the NBA is one of those things that we watch the evolution. Throughout the history of the NBA, there's no team that just like is put together. Even the Miami Heat, when they were supposed to come out and just win, 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 win. It's not that easy. You kind of have to ease into it. Michael Jordan could never beat the Celtics. Then he couldn't beat the Pistons. He finally got over that hump, and he, that knife was sharpened so so sharp that he just you know went on a run that was unprecedented. But you you have to ease into these things. The Golden State Warriors a handful of years ago started to be a team like we're seeing with the Blazers when they had Mark Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. They were a team where it's like, all right, maybe we have to take them seriously. It took a coaching change, or maybe it didn't, but the next year when they came out with Steve Kerr, you don't know what they would have been with Mark Jackson, but but there was just that next gear, and now they're a championship team. Not saying that it's this year, but if even without a big move, if everybody gets a little bit better, you get a little bit more from Zach Collins, a little bit more from Yusuf Nurkic, if you can hang on to Ed Davis, if you brought back the same team, is this team automatically better next year just for having learned how to play together? Yeah, it should be. Yeah. I mean, like I say, like you see the progression of Lillard as not just a dynamic scorer, but a leader, mm-hmm. and you see Nurkic getting better. Zach Collins is very intriguing. I mean, we, we saw him play a lot at Gonzaga and figured, okay, he He's got the skill set, athleticism, and everything to be in the modern NBA a very impactful guy. Um, I think you're seeing flashes of that, but he's still a ways away in terms of the consistency. But, man, you're intrigued by it, and that's what you have to do if you're the Blazers. Like you say, free agency is going to give you what it gives you as a mid-market team. You know, you're just not going to get that. So you have to get those guys like the Zach Collins that you bank on and can develop. You have to get the Nurkic in a trade that is undervalued in one situation, but you can get a whole lot more out of them. Yeah. Um, I like what – I like their roster makeup, and like you say, when you got uh, you got an anchor like Lillard who can do so much, and everybody around him is bought into him being the guy. That's what that's that's about as good as Portland can do, and just hope they develop from there. Yeah, this is the fun part. So if your Blazers make it in as a three seed, they win a first round tournament, they or first round game. Uh, First round matchup, uh, go into the second round and can really push a team, whether it's Golden State or, it's probably or, gonna be Golden or the Rockets. State. But but if they can push in that, then we go into next year, we'll overhype them, they'll underperform, we'll be in the exact same <laughs> spot we were, which is always fun. But speaking of underperforming, so you may have remembered the hype around a guy named Shohei Otani, who is now the Angels' savior and the player that's going to make a difference. Well, guess what? He's got a 16.2 ERA in uh, spring training, and he may start the year in AAA. So here's the question to you listening. 55305, 
What are the biggest overhype moments that you can think of in sports? We'll get to some of those. Uh, share yours uh, when we get back. You're listening to The Sinner and Saint on Tenny of the Fan. All right, you're welcome, Portland. No Will Darkens this week. He's, uh, I don't know, I think it's his birthday or something, so he's out celebrating, not sure, Darcells maybe? I don't know what he's up to. Anyways, uh, we've got Jason Bro sitting in with us. Jason Bro is a former T-ball teammate of mine. I've only known you since we're four and a half years old, but he's also a college basketball expert. How's your bracket doing? Uh, we'll just move on to the next segment. Okay. Uh, we've also got another college basketball expert in with us, uh, the voice of your Portland Pilots, uh, and that is Jason Swigard. Uh, how's your bracket looking? It's pretty well shredded. Perfect. Yeah, thanks Perfect. for coming. Yeah. Just have like the Pac-12. Thanks for coming. <laughs> oh, we will get to the Pac-12. <laughs> Don't worry about that. That's we'll, horrible. We will talk about the Pac-12 to start the next hour. Uh, but right now, I want to kind of delve into baseball a little bit. So I know that there's not a ton of baseball fans in the Portland Metro. And for anybody that missed it, there was a big off-season hype train coming our direction. Um, and that was a guy named Shohei Otani. This guy is apparently the Babe Ruth of Japan, and there was a bidding war for him, and I won't get into all the details of that. But here's what you do need to know about the guy. He's six foot four, 213 pounds. He's a starting right-handed pitcher that throws a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, he's one of the best pitchers over there, but he's also one of the best hitters in Japan, and he's a DH that can get down the first baseline in 3.8 seconds. He's good for 40 home runs. Well, in the bidding war, uh, I remember personally being a little upset as a Mariners yeah, fan. Mariners, yeah, Mariners, yeah. The Mariners were one of the final four teams in on it. He ends up going to the Angels. Well, currently right now, he's uh, in spring training down in Arizona, and it looks like he may end up starting the year in AAA. Oof. It is not great. Now, this isn't his entire career, but this got me thinking down the path of the overhype train and how often it's traveled through the Northwest. And I have a really hard time thinking of a lot of people outside of local teams. And I, my mind immediately went to, you know, Greg Oden, yeah. Sam Bowie. And those are injury things. So even if you throw Brandon Roy in there, I was like, well, the, the hype train got going uh, for a Brandon reason. Brandon Roy on those. still breaks my heart. That's yeah, and those are, those are heartbreakers. But, but I'll throw you out a couple more names just to kind of get the conversation started. And we want anybody listening to join in. 55305. Two overhyped guys I think that I know had one nothing to do with injury. I'll... I'll I'll let you guess uh, the first one in basketball. Telfair. Sebastian Telfair. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to go Jimmer for that. Well, oh, I was thinking Northwest, eh. though. I was thinking the yeah, Blazers. Yeah, Northwest. Yeah. I mean, wow. the Blazers getting Sebastian Telfair. Jimmer for that's a good one. Yeah. But, but Sebastian Telfair, remember, this guy was going to revolutionize the game. The great street baller from New York, and he's going to come out. And I mean, no injuries, just kind of. Faded away and never, never had the ability to play NBA basketball. And the other one that popped into my head immediately. Martel Webster? No, no. Seattle Seahawks. Oklahoma linebacker. The boss. The boss. Right. I just popped immediately into my head. I'm thinking I'm thinking Otani playing in a Seattle Mariners uniform, doing the same thing. And just my mind skipped over to Bo Jackson and running him over. And yeah. then, and I'll never forget the Steve Largent quote. They they talked to him after you know one of the games. And they're like, yeah, Brian's really having a hard time, you know, kind of getting his footing in the league. And he's like, yeah, when you're not a good player, it's tough to play football. And I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he's like, well, he's not any good. And that was really the case. But he came out of Oklahoma with all that hype and all that juice 
running through his veins. Uh, but this happens more often than not. Oh, yeah. I remember like, even it kind of touches on the boys just a little bit, the Adam Morrison draft when he just took, oh. the, took the nation by storm and everyone was on the Morrison bandwagon. Draft the draft, stash. Draft the stash and all that stuff. And, you know, he, he bounced around the league for a little while, but not worthy of that that top five pick that he went. No, and he never really got any footing. But the, the Adam Morrison thing that I loved the most, I can't remember who the player was, but they were talking about, you know, just like guys that you played with and who was the wor- one of the worst teammates. And he's like, Adam Morrison never took showers and he just stunk. And you just have a guy that like, you, you talked about it with the, with the NBA uh, NCAA tournament, how there's so many other factors and you look at, at professional sports and you realize that the, kind of the same thing applies that going in, it's not just your ability to play basketball. It's not yeah. just your ability to play football, but a lot of times it's how well do you fit the, the the team that you're on, how well does your personality jive with like the, the majority of the league? There's some guys that are just outcasts too. And yeah. Adam Morrison, I think, was that guy. Yeah, that was. I mean, just tough personality. I think for for a lot of things where you know Gonzaga, he was dom. I mean, he was one of the best college basketball players. Same with Fredette, Jimmer Fredette. I mean, when you watch them, they were must see TV yeah. at the college level. But the the translation of athleticism in both those guys that that's the biggest thing. You look at Tim Grass, who's our video guy, used to work for the Blazers for no number of years doing video breakdown. So I always like to get his impact on either current guys and how they translate to what he would predict for future NBA success. And he brings up Lillard because he was working with the Blazers when they did workouts with them. And he'd watch tape of Weber State. And he's like, okay, forget about the opponents that he's dunking on. The guy was going up down the middle and dunking on everybody, whereas somebody like Austin Rivers he was laying it in. Like, yeah, yeah, he's doing it against better competition, but the explosiveness of somebody like Lillard translates much better than somebody like Austin Rivers, who's, you know, about the same size, about the same physicality, but just didn't have the same explosiveness. And as you as you really dive into less so much about the opponent, but just as you watch them on film, how they translate, and you can see that with Jimmer Fredette. Yeah, he can he can drain 35 footers, but he also doesn't have a six eight freak athlete draped on him in every game he plays. Yeah, fair and, enough. And how does that how does that athleticism translate just big in the NBA? Well, you and I were watching some of the college basketball games together over the last couple of days. And one of my favorite things to do in the NCAA tournament, and I'd like to encourage all of you to join me in this fun little game, is find the guys that don't have body types to play basketball and just watch <laughs> them run around the court. And there's a guy for Davidson, Davidson that we fell in love with, number 32, don't know his name. And then there's a guy for Texas. If you watch Texas yeah, playing yeah. that game, they've got the big guy that's going to end up playing tight end in the NFL or offensive line, but he's not going to play basketball after this. <laughs> and he's in the game down the stretch. And he played pretty well, but yeah, you just look good. at him and you go, Okay, you don't have the athleticism, you don't have the body type. There's an article years ago in Sports Illustrated where they talked about the NBA body type. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I want to say this was maybe five or six years ago, at the time there was one guy in the NBA that had a wingspan that was shorter than his height. (laughs) <laughs> and that was J.J. Redick. I mean, and it's just one of those things, and it doesn't matter, you know, race or anything involved with it, but there was one guy that didn't have that long wingspan, that athletic build, and the, the prototype in the NBA is easier to spot than any other major sport. I'm going to go through a few of these from the text line and kind of get your thoughts. I like this as an overhype. It's not an individual, but the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Mm, yeah. Yeah, just they got the hype train rolling on that. Uh, this, this one might might be my favorite again not a player the process in philadelphia <laughs> can we please where are they sitting right now you still have your nba standings I up i can pull it up really they're they're, they're Six, right seven they are sixth in the east six but i'm telling you if i'm a philly fan i'm excited about the sixers <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the process like okay what what why, the- why would you not give him credit for what he's built 
Because look at all the picks they missed on. How many top three, top four picks did they have? Nerlens Noel, Jalil Okafor, Markel Fultz still hasn't played. That, that's fine, but look at where they ended up. They got one of the most optimistic rosters going <laughs> forward with young talent, and they still have stuff coming in. Still not trusting the process until I see it get them into a contender. You can can argue that they didn't make great picks, but the process led them to be in a position where they're going to be a contender. They've been bad for a long time, though. Very long time. Uh, Let's see if we've got another one in here. Uh, Christian Leitner. I mean, he he was on the, the dream team. He was. That that's something that you can't ever live up to. He had a pretty good NBA career. He had a solid NBA career. Solid. He averaged double figures. Didn't he play for like 12, 13 years? Solid NBA career. I mean, he never fulfilled the the number one player in college basketball, but I I would argue there's been much bigger busts. There's been bigger busts. I don't picture him as a bust at all. He you know he reminds me of is uh, Tyler Hansbrough. Or t- Tyler Hansborough reminds had a me of pro him. Career, yeah, he, but but still, did, yeah. yeah, but Tyler Hansborough yeah. still like when is, was able to contribute, but just never was. I don't think Tyler know, Hansborough was ever considered the best college basketball player. No, ever, he wasn't, but he was he was pretty dominant at North Carolina. Yeah. But you just remember how he just kind of bowling balled his way through the ACC. Uh, oh, overhyped, Bro- oh, wait, overhyped mobile QBs. This is one I had on my list. <laughs> there you so go. Uh, from the text line, Tebow, RG three, Vince Young. Um, Jamarcus Russell, Demarcus Russell. Yeah, well, he wasn't necessarily mobile because he was 300 pounds. Well, but overhyped uh, QB yeah. coming out. Would you yeah. throw Colin Kaepernick in that, or is this more of a blackball issue? Because um, remember that he was part of the conversation. So was Russell Wilson, who's been great. I mean, Kaepernick made it to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, yeah. I always, I was always intrigued. I mean, I just think he was. Limited so Marcus in Russell sense. couldn't get on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Ryan Leaf would be another guy. Leaf. Leaf over. is. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's one before I know we're coming up on it, but uh, an NBA one. Who was drafted? Who did Darko Milicic get drafted ahead of in that draft in 2003? Can you name? The three oh, Hall of Famers that bunch of them because he was second in that. Uh, yeah. Didn't he go number two? Yeah, he went number two. Immediately following him was Carmelo Anthony, Chris okay. Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Yeah. <laughs> but Detroit won the championship that his rookie year. <laughs> yeah, again, you go back to the NBA, it brings me back to two guys, Sam Bowie and Greg Oden. All right, those are the most, some of the most overhyped players, but uh, Shohei Otani uh, will definitely be one of those guys if he doesn't pick things up quick. Again, a 16.2 ERA right now. Uh, we need to get to good versus evil. Uh, we don't have any instructions from Will. We don't really know how this segment works, but we'll figure it out, and we'll do that next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the sinner and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. I have no idea what any of that means. I was given no instructions. What do you mean? You don't know how to shred the gnar? Uh, no. Grab the headlines, throw us some questions, and we'll All see right. what we can do. It's a piece of cake. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll try this. Uh, amidst uh, all the uh, fervor over the retrievers of UMBC last night, uh, knocking off the number one overall seed, Virginia, we might have overlooked some of the other things going Anybody on. Anybody else for a second think they were from Canada? No. Okay. <laughs> That's just you. No, no, I heard it on a, another conversation. I was like, I'm pretty sure Canada doesn't play in this. I did double check, but. Yeah. yeah. No, no. 
Uh, this morning or overnight, the New York Jets are serious about finding their quarterback of the future. Now, it's not Teddy Bridgewater or Josh McCown, who are both signed for 2018. Uh, they made a move. They have sent the number six pick in this spring's draft, along with 37 and 49 to the Indianapolis Colts to move up to number three. Indy will also get a second-round pick in 2019. Who do you think will be there and they should take with the number three pick amongst uh, the quarterback crew of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen? I'm not going to tell them who to try to pick, but I'm guessing they like at least two of the quarterbacks, maybe three if they're willing to move into the three spot. The thing that this gives me more of an indication towards is that Indy feels confident that they're going to have Andrew Luck back because they're moving out of a spot where they could potentially look at a quarterback or they really like Jacoby Brissett. But I was very intrigued what we would see from Indianapolis with, uh, you know, new coach Mike Brabel being in there and nobody's seen Andrew Luck throw a football in, ever so, in forever. So. Well, and they've got a lot of picks now to help shore up the defense offensive yeah. line. So so I think the big news here is that they're not concerned about quarterback. Who you taking, bro, if you've got the third pick? Um, if I got the third pick and I'm the Jets, I just hope that the other two ahead of me pick terribly because I, mean, I probably feel not confident in any of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> you take who's left and then you can blame the, oh, we really like that guy who was taken at number well, we one or number take, two. Yeah, we wanted to take the guy that's in the Hall of Fame, but we just, he wasn't <laughs> I think Josh Allen might be an okay fit there. Ooh, that's a scary one. The Rosen's the guy that would not work with the Jet Circus and him. He will speak his mind, and oh, that yeah, will that'd cause. Be fun. I hope they take him. And I, I don't think Bowles, yeah. uh, Todd Bowles, who I really like as a coach, he's just a no-nonsense guy. He doesn't want to deal with it. They're not going to was... take Baker, Mefield, or Rosen. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't know that Mayfield will be there. Really? Wow. Man, he skyrocketed up in the projection. I don't know what it is. I get the, the sense headband. that it's going to be between Allen and uh, Rosen All right. that will be there. But we'll we'll wait and see. No That's uh, April 26th, I believe, Thursday yeah. night. It'll be exciting. Any yeah. other stories you got queued up for us? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I know we're going to talk about the demise of the Pac-12 uh, men's basketball. But uh, you should know. All five Pac-12 teams that uh, made the NIT field won their opening round games. <laughs> so the Pac-12 5-0 and in the NIT. The Ducks will uh, be at Marquette Sunday, and then the other four teams uh, all playing on Monday. Meanwhile, the Lady Beavers, Lady Ducks, both advancing uh, in the NCAA Women's Tournament, and they will play tomorrow. Oregon State uh, taking on the Tennessee Lady Vols and uh, University of Oregon hosting Minnesota. So what... Would a Pac-12 fan celebrate more, a women's national NCAA championship or a men's NIT championship? Ah, they better celebrate the women's championship because we just watched UConn dismantle their first-round matchup, 138-52. So if the women get to the final, I'm guessing they're playing UConn, and that would be bananas to watch them uh, knock off uh, Gino Ariana and, and what, 12 Hall of Famers for women's basketball uh, down the road somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that it's remarkable what Scott Rook did at Oregon State. Uh, and Kelly Graves, ton of credit. He came from Gonzaga with Oregon women's. But or, to say that Oregon and Oregon State women's basketball are should be perennial top 15 teams is pretty remarkable. 
Again, uh, so the, that Oregon State game, 11 a.m. tomorrow. It'll be on ESPN2. The Ducks with the uh, last one uh, against Minnesota. That'll be at 7.30 p.m. Uh, tomorrow. So we wish uh, them both well. I, I just saw this note. Uh, David Stockton, the son of uh, Basketball Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz legend John Stockton, is signing a 10-day contract with the Jazz. There have been injuries uh, to the Jazz. And so uh, David, who played at Gonzaga, uh, has been in the G League. He is uh, being signed to a 10-day contract. And uh, Ricky Rubio is out. Can you think of a larger legend (laughs) in your father's footsteps, especially at his team, to try and step into and overcome? Uh, Initially, that was my thought. But then I recall back to the, uh, the Dream Team documentary where John Stockton was so proud that he could just walk through Barcelona and nobody recognized him. <laughs> I don't think there's a better father's footsteps legend to step into. I'm Because he's just such an unassuming guy. That was that and the Barkley thing, the, the contrast in that documentary of how nonchalant John Stockton was. Nobody recognized him. I'm Because sh- have you heard from John Stockton since, nah. other than the State Farm commercial that he, he showed up in? He stay, yeah, that was a random one. He, yeah. stays, he stays hidden up there. What's more remarkable about David Stockton, we saw this, he had such an impact at Gonzaga where John Stockton is a legend like mm-hmm. he is in Utah, but that's a higher level of pressure where he was supposed to be, like you were wondering if he even deserved to be on in the lineup, and then he went to getting 10-day contracts in the NBA. I mean, he's not expected to do a whole lot, so I don't think the pressure is very high for him there, but at Gonzaga, it was, should he even be playing? Yeah. And then he did a really good job to really impose himself. So I just hope he's in the lineup for the next 22 years. Who's <laughs> the, uh, who's, where's Carl Malone's son? What's he doing right now? Get him in the, Shaq's get, son's in the queue. get him in the post. Yeah, Shaq's son. Yep. Uh, going to uh, where's he going now? UCLA. UCLA. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. So we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day today. So uh, you celebrating with uh, with Guinness or the Irish whiskey? That's really the big question. Uh, both. What's wrong with you? Uh, I'm gonna have some more champagne and continue the week. What is thing. wrong with you? So I show up over. Jason and a buddy are having a little uh, NCAA party as he calls it. So I pulled out of work a little bit early Thursday and Friday and swung by there and that I've already got my childcare taken care of. So I'm not going home early. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a party. I get there. Uh, Jason's, uh, I guess a buddy of ours taking a nap. Jason's going away, just <laughs> finishing off his champagne, offers me some grapes off the table. And then we sit there and we watch the games quietly so the guy that owns a house doesn't wake up from his slumber. Quite a wild party. Wild party. You are an old man. I've gotten very old yeah, when I'm very quick. Can't have the chips, can't have the nachos, got to go with some nice fresh fruit and vegetables. So you're doing nothing for St. Patty's Day is what you're telling me. <laughs> I might go crazy today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, got a, I have a nice bottle of, uh, of Irish whiskey at home. It's ah, a there Bush, you go. Bushmills Black. Mm, uh, so it's extra That'll do the aged. trick. And then, uh, and then I actually brought Guinness over to the party. I drank them all. I already had six Guinnesses for St. Patty's oh, Day because getting... nobody else there was drinking beer. <laughs> We're classy. <laughs> Ridiculous. I just hope there's corn. I got a a family party. There better be corned beef there. You were supposed to bring in corned beef. What happened to that, Swag? I was not told of bringing in. You told me yesterday. You you want me to bring in corned beef? We were sitting at the Independent. Isn't that what you offered? Or a leg of lamb? No, I was saying uh, our guests who might be coming later, hopefully they will bring some. We may be joined by Kells here in a little bit. We're uh, we're waiting to see what happens. So may get to that in the second hour. But we'll start things off with, oh, what a tournament for the Pac-12.
12. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. That is next. You're listening to The Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 